Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Well, we're so glad that you're here today and you chose a great week to be with us because we're in our fourth week of a series that we're calling Hold Us Together about relationships. And today we are talking about a very important relationship and that's parenting. And so we hope that you are braced for the ride because we want to start it off with a pep talk. So check this out with me. All right, guys, let's settle down. Hey, settle down! This is a playoff-like atmosphere. There is a ton at stake right now in all that we have done, all that we've worked for, all the tears, all the sweat, all of the late nights, all of the dirty diapers. Taylor, where you at? Yes, sir. What do you do when your kid throws a temper tantrum at H-E-B? Give him what he wants so he'll shut up and stop bothering me. Wrong! Shepherd their heart, not their behavior. Edwards, what do you do when the chores don't get done? Uh, Just let my wife do it. It's faster. Wrong! Promote personal responsibility and a Godward orientation. That sounds difficult. What? What are you going to do when you got a 26-year-old man-child in your basement doesn't have a job playing video games, taking up all your Netflix queue? Does that sound like a good plan? No, no, not now, Jerry. No. Williams! Hang on. Yes, sir. What do you do when your kid gives you lip? You give them lip right back. Wrong! Teach them to submit to authority. Hey, you submit to authority, man. Jerry, still not now. This right now, this is our house. This is your house. This is what you need. Jerry, now would be the time. All right, let's go. Let's get out here and let's go shepherd the heck fire out of these kids. Let's go. All right, all right. Welcome again uh, to Horizon West Church. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, You've already picked it up. We're talking on parenting today. Uh, Before we get to that, I just want to recognize what happened last night right here on this campus where we had our fall street party. And let me give you the number of those that attended. I want to celebrate that together. We got to see 788 people join us last night for the fall street party. So we can celebrate that together. And I'm also thrilled to say 71 of you volunteered throughout the event. If that was you and you helped to make that possible, would you stand where we're at? We want to acknowledge you and thank you for doing that as well. So stand if you helped to make that possible. What, what a great, great thing. And then to be able to dedicate children in both services, to have three uh, young boys uh, go into the waters of baptism and to be able to celebrate not, not only as immediate families, but as a spiritual family here at Horizon West Church. Uh, all glory to God for that. Uh, today is going to be a little uh, unique in this way. I'm going to chop up my message into two parts. We're going to talk for a little bit about parenting. We're going to look at some scripture and we're going to talk about some principles, but we're going to end that time with a parent panel. 
Uh, these are men and women that are part of Horizon West Church that are in different seasons or stages of parenting. And so at about the halfway point of the message, I'm going to go quiet. I'm going to call them up to the stage because I believe that God has something for you, not only through the preached word, but also through the conversation that we'll have together. We know you're going to be blessed uh, because of that. Uh, also, if you are not a parent, uh, this day is also for you because here's the reality. Uh, every time we look at the Bible together, we can claim the promise of Isaiah that all uh, Scripture goes out from the mouth of God and accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. In other words, you don't have to be a parent to gain principles to apply to mentoring, coaching, teaching, and other relationships as you have them with younger people. I want to start with a couple of assumptions. Number one, first and foremost, all of us who are parents want to do this thing well. Can I get a, a head nod if that is true of you? You want to do a good job. Secondly, none of us are doing this thing perfectly. Can I get another head nod here? Okay. One of the things I want to be really clear on is that uh, I didn't go up onto the mountain and, and, and get all of the truth that there exists in, on parenting, and now I'm imparting it to you. Rather, I'm a fellow struggler. Nikki and I are fellow strugglers in parenting. I'll tell you a quick story. The first time I was left home alone with the kids and Nikki went out, we had what has affectionately become known as poopocalypse. Uh, that's not even easy to say. It was much harder to deal with, and I'll let you use your imagination. It was a mess. But that's when the children were little. I've made figurative messes that were much bigger than that um, and harder to clean up. Times where I lost my temper, times where I used a word that crushed the spirit. And so a lot of what I'm going to do is bring from experience not only successes but also failures as Nikki and I together have done our best to shepherd the hearts of our children to the Lord. So what we're going to do in the next about 15 or 20 minutes is we're going to look at four questions together. And these questions, I believe, can become kind of a mirror for you to ask yourself and become a guardrail in which you can steer your children, as the Proverbs say, in the way that they should go. Four questions. Here is the first. Ask yourself the question as a parent, is my love for my children unconditional? Now, I know that every parent in the room is going to say, of course it is. That there's nothing my child could do that would cause me to fail to love them or to stop loving them. But biblical love is not what we often think of when we think about love. It is not a noun, like we hear people say, I fell in love. It's not an adjective only, like a love story or a love song. In the Bible, what is true of love is the message that DC Talk taught us in 1992, and John Mayer affirmed 20 years later, love is a verb. So it's an action. And though you might think you love your children unconditionally, your children are instinctively asking themselves the question, does mom, does dad love me no matter what? In other words, the sense of being loved is a perception that children form based on the actions of their parents. Let me give us a quick litmus test to run through. Do I love my children unconditionally? Answer these four questions. Do you show visible disappointment or even disgust when your child fails at something? A, a bad grade, they forget a line in their play, they strike out or drop a pass. Do you visually represent disappointment or disgust to your child? If you have multiple children, do you struggle with favoring one over the others or perhaps favoring one less than the others? Do you ever use the silent treatment or, or verbal jabs when you're upset with your child? 
When your child shares a significant failing or one is exposed in their life, do you react emotionally or do you respond compassionately? Now again, none of us do these perfectly, but our children are asking themselves every day, can I do anything to lose my parents' love? And the way that we respond in those moments is going to matter to them. And here's why it matters even beyond that. It has been abundantly established that the psychological development of children is largely shaped by the presence or absence of parental love. Meaning that you can do things in the life of your child that no one else can do. And followers of Jesus, it's even bigger than that. Because if you are a Christian home, if you are following Jesus as a family, your child's primary view of God is coming from the way they perceive you. Now that is completely unfair, but that's the reality. Dad, when you demonstrate condemnation to your child, when you exasperate, to use a biblical word, they're viewing God as someone who is like that. Mom, when you withhold or withdraw affection because they failed in some way, they're viewing God to be the same way. And so this matters. The Bible paints a picture of God that in these words, he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Anybody else nailing that one? I'm not. (laughs) But five different writers of scripture use that exact verbatim phrase to say this is what God is like. Parents, when we calibrate our parenting to look like that, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, we're modeling for them a healthy picture of who God is. Question number two, is my faith sincere? So is my love for my children unconditional? But secondly, is my faith in Jesus sincere? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings. Quote that I learned when I was in high school by a guy named Brennan Manning. He says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle, that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Parents, when you say something to be true of your faith or you claim Jesus in such a way that your lifestyle does not uphold, your children aren't going to believe what you say, they're going to believe what they see. And so it requires a sincere faith in order to be stewarded and passed on to those coming after us. Your children will sometime probably in their teenage years learn what matters most to you. If it's money, they'll figure that out. If it's your reputation, that will become clear. If it's spiritual things, if it's faith, then that will become for them a a measurement by which they can say, well, the faith is real, perhaps their God is as well. I'll hear parents sometimes say these words, we just, we really want our children to be in a church environment. We really want their faith to grow. And if that's the reason that you're here, I'm glad that you're here. This is a phenomenal environment for your children's faith to grow. But it is more than that. And what happens is if you come and you go, I'm attending church for my kids, what happens is you don't get the full benefit of attending and participating in church. And they don't either because they're smart. They've figured it out. And what you're telling them over time, faith is something that matters for children, but it does not matter for mom or dad. 
Conversely, if you come to church because you are prioritizing your walk with God and your relationship with him, it will uh, provide massive dividends in your life as you take that seriously, and your children will benefit even more by seeing faith modeled by mom or by dad. Here's a couple quick ways that you can demonstrate uh, faith or sincere faith in front of your children. Perhaps you could develop a quiet time, five to ten minutes. doesn't have to be every day. It could be a couple times a week, three, four, whatever it might be. Start where you're at. But your children know when dad goes to this part of the house, when mom slips out to the front porch for a few minutes, that's where mom or dad are praying, are reading the Bible, are spending time with God. Because what is going to need to happen over time is that that faith becomes their own and now they have tools by which they can grow their own faith in Jesus. They've seen it first in you. You can demonstrate sincere faith by leading a prayer time, perhaps before a meal or at bedtime, by listening to worship music or Christian music throughout the week, not just on Sunday mornings. Now, my John Mayer reference was authentic because I listened to John Mayer, so I'm not saying that you only have to listen to, but I am saying if what you do at church is only kept at church, your children are quickly going to discern faith is a Sunday morning thing and it doesn't really impact the rest of our lives. And finally, I would encourage you to create, if you haven't yet, a pattern of regular attendance at church with your children. Go all in. Serve, volunteer, join a group. Model for them that faith is important, yes, as children, but all the way into adulthood, into our last years on this earth. Faith matters. Now, here's the one that trips me up. So, you can join me or not on this one. Third question. Is my discipline redemptive? Hebrews 12 verse 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but is painful. However, later on it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Parents, can I ask this question of us? What is our discipline producing in the life of our children? Because the reality oftentimes for me and maybe for you as well is it's not really producing anything. It's just kind of making me feel better about myself. A real-life example from about two weeks ago, uh, one of my children uh, has been struggling with disobedience, and it was bedtime, and you know, parents, that's like when we've, we're, we're done. That's it. We're not putting up with anything. And this child disobeyed and, and gave me some attitude, and I said, all right, you know what? You're getting consequences, and we'll deal with that tomorrow, and I go downstairs. And I felt really good because I had demonstrated my power over this child. You know, I had put them in their place. And the next day, the Spirit convicted me. It was like, hey, what did you, what did you accomplish there? What, what did that produce in the life of your child? Maybe there's a better way to do this. And so God gave me an idea, and I went back to this child, and I said, sweetheart, rather than giving you some kind of punishment or consequence, not that that's inappropriate, but in this instance, I want to ask you something. Do you, do you feel like you're struggling with obedience? And he or she said, <laughs> said, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's fair. I said, okay, then here's what I want you to do. This child is old enough. I said, I want you to go to your Bible and I want you to find a verse on obedience and I've got some index cards by my nightstand and I want you to just write that verse out, keep it on your mirror, on your nightstand, somewhere where you can see that and just kind of remind yourself that it matters that you're obedient. And in the rare instance where I got it right like this, what, what I'm hoping to teach my child is when she's 25 years old, 
most of the things she needs to get right in her soul are not going to be dictated to her by employers, by parents, and by outside forces. What I want her to do is learn that she can find truth in God's word that cuts like a a, a double-edged sword and teaches and grows her faith on her own or his. So that's, I knew I wasn't going to get through all of that. My bad. At least I have two, so you're still not sure. Discipline is something very different than punishment. Punishment says, what were you thinking? Discipline says, what can we learn from this? Punishment gives us as parents a sense of control over our child. Discipline helps our child take ownership of their own soul and life. Punishment focuses on negative actions and inadvertently reinforces to our child, you're bad. Discipline says, you matter enough for me to take time and attention to help you get this right. Punishment versus discipline. Scripture says it is discipline that God subjects even us, dads, moms, granddads, grandmoms. God disciplines us for our good so that we become more like Jesus. It is a model for us. Fourth and finally and most importantly, ask yourself this question, is my goal Jesus? I want to read for you Philippians chapter 3. Paul was not a parent, but I want to highlight some principles in this that we can utilize as parents. Philippians chapter 3 at verse 12, not that I have already obtained all of these things or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that, what I ha- that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was a man that before he came to know Jesus had every accomplishment and accolade that you could hope to have. He was a religious leader. He was a zealot. He was uh, brilliant and well-informed. And not only that, he was well-respected in his culture and his community. If you were to ask Paul's parents, hey, how did you think you did as kids? They would say, I mean, look at our child. We did wonderfully. And yet when Paul was on the road to Damascus, Jesus showed up and Paul said, who are you, Lord? Which means it is possible to do all the right things for our child and have them turn out well, yet still miss Jesus. In our world, successful parenting looks like this. When our kids are young, it's them making good grades and staying out of trouble. They get a little bit older as teenagers. We want them to continue making grades, continue staying out of trouble, but now we want them to find something they're really good at and passionate about so that they can get into a good college and find a good job, and then they're going to hopefully make good money and marry a great spouse and buy a nice home so they can raise kids who make good grades and stay out of trouble. And I think the Apostle Paul would plead with us parents and say, you're missing it. There is so much more. I think he'd say, raise your children to say with me, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus. I know that one day my three children will stand before the Lord and I won't be with them, but I hope I'm not too far behind them. 
And what I want that transaction to look like, what I want that moment to look like, is not Jesus affirming all the successes they had in life, all the money they made, or even the temporal impact they had on the world. I hope I hear Jesus look my children in their eyes and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want my goal to be Jesus. And what I would love is if my children become great business leaders or, or pastors or, or inventors or whatever it might be, that they would live with the mentality that if Jesus calls me anywhere I go, even if it means risking my life, I go for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of that upward call of God in Jesus. I want to encourage us parents, let that question, is my goal Jesus, let that question drive everything you do with and for your kids. We're going to pivot now. I told you I, want, I have a parent panel that we're going to welcome up. You guys go ahead and start making your way here. Um, I want you guys to help me uh, welcome these guys. I'll tell you who they are in a minute, but go ahead and welcome them as they come up. Um, and what I want you all to know is that these who are coming up um, are not stand-ins. These are Horizon West Church members and attenders. Um, and they are also parents. We're going to hear a lot of different parenting seasons represented here, but I'll let you guys get situated. Um, as they do that, friends, I'm going to start with this question. Uh, what is your name and what is your season of parenting? And anyone can start. I think we have two microphones floating around here. So name and what season of parenting are you in? I guess I'll go. I've got a microphone. Um, I'm Ricky. This is my wife, Mindy. Uh, we have two boys, uh, both seniors in college and high school. They're 21 and, nine and 17. Awesome. Next. <laughs> Marty, go ahead. Hi, my name is Marty Rogers, and my wife and I, uh, April, we have four boys, and they are all in their 20s, and two of our boys have special needs. Hi, my name is Maria. I have two boys, 14 and 19, and I'm representing single parenting uh, as well, special needs and adopting. <laughs> my name's Dan and my wife Amanda wasn't able to be here today, but we have a blended family with four children. Good morning, I'm Patrick and Barbara Peters and um, we are in an interesting stage. Uh, we are grandparents and parents as well of our grandkids. Uh, my name is Katie Williamson. My husband, Michael, and I have four children. Uh, they are all little people. They are five, three, one of them turns two today, and two and a half months old. And I lost my voice hollering at them on Halloween to say thank you and only take one piece of candy. So we're just going to stop and have a prayer meeting for Katie and her husband right now. Guys, uh, not everybody needs to answer this question if any of you want to. Um, we look at these four questions uh, about ourselves as parents. Is my love unconditional? Is my faith sincere? Is my discipline redemptive? And is my goal Jesus? I wonder, is there one of those that you have found particularly challenging as a parent or maybe of particular importance as you've navigated that parenting journey? Is my discipline redemptive? Hmm. Uh, no. <laughs> No, uh, especially when you're single parenting, you have to be always the good guy and the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So it seems to punish, be easier and faster, uh, but not with good results. Mm -hmm. 
So when I listen to Chris today, I realize there's a lot of work to do. Punish it just seems easier and it's like, it feels good. I told you, you didn't listen, so you're going to get punished. On the, the, the point on the un, unconditional love, um, we've always looked at it from the giving point of view that, yes, I love all of my children, biological or non-unconditionally, but uh, hearing Pastor Chris talk about the explanation of that, looking at it from their point of view, if we ever looked at them judgmental mm -hmm. or ever you know, looked at them with disappointment, and uh, that kind of struck a nerve a little bit. Anybody else? Uh, when you talked about is my goal, Jesus, that one hit me right between the eyes. And uh, I do have four boys, two of my boys have special needs, but uh, my two normal boys, I do spend a lot of time talking about the grades and a lot of times about talking about the money, um, you know, to get uh, good money and a good house. And if I did spend more time focusing on my goal being Jesus with my boys, I think a lot of the other good stuff would follow. Yeah. And Marty, that's a great point because those things are important, right? We don't want to hear, you know, you to hear us saying grades don't matter, you know, that stuff's important, but it all begins with that, you know, that moment of, of coming to know Jesus and cascading off, off of that. So uh, let, me, let me jump up here. Patrick and Barbara, uh, you mentioned being parents of adult children and, and grandparents uh, who are also really parenting, um, at least in this season. So what, what is required of you now um, in the lives of, let's start with your adult children. What's required of you now that transcends, goes beyond maybe, or is different than what was required when they were in the home? So we had a great plan for retirement. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we were looking at um, relocating temporarily, at least to Valencia, Spain, to travel through Europe for a period of time. We were even looking at apartments and the cost of living over there and whatnot, and God says, Mm, that's a good plan, but that's not my plan. Let me show you my plan. Yeah. And so now we have our grandkids with us. Um, I will tell you the one thing that transcends parenting, grandparenting, and parenting again, whether the child is a baby or a preteen, teenager, post-teen, because our youngest child is 35, mm -hmm. um, and that is praying for them. Not general prayers, but specific prayers for them by name. Um, God doesn't look at our kids and go, yeah, you have five kids. Yeah. You know, Katie has four kids and she's working on a, a small team. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but praying for your kids by name transcends generations. Mm -hmm. It transcends um, whether you are a parent or a grandparent. And it also... Um, you know, many of us didn't necessarily grow up in a Christian home, didn't necessarily have a good role model in terms of parents, whether it was a father or a mother or both. But what I personally have found, because I didn't have a good role model in either case, what I personally found was there, is, there are examples in the Bible for me to pick and choose. And so I chose Joseph, Old Testament, as my personal hero and a model for, to build my life upon. And so praying for your children... Um, again, with in in agreement with God for not what you want, yeah. but what God wants for them, and and our role as parents to help shepherd their hearts and guide them in the plan that God has laid before them. So, Patrick, Barbara, anything to briefly add to that? Um, 
I won't say what I said earlier in the first service. Um, I'll let you guys, I'll challenge you guys to, because none of us can repeat ourselves exactly. So mm -hmm. I challenge you to take a listen to that uh, first service. But um, just a word just came to me uh, earlier, which was wait on the Lord. Mm -hmm. God is a God that sees what we're going through. He sees intimately. He knows it better than we do. God is a God that hears us when we're speaking to him, speaking about him, or speaking something else, too. But God is also a God that responds. Mm -hmm. And so he is worth waiting on. Because if, you know, if you look back as a parent, you always regret something. But if you look back as a parent, our prayer is, give us this day. God gives us today. He already gave us yesterday. Yesterday is done. Yeah. But give us this day. God doesn't want us wrapped with guilt no. and staying there. He wants us to, there's a phrase someone said at a summer camp, and I'm, I'm sorry I have to go here, but this person said, no regrets. And, and this person was from Australia, and it, that phrase caught me. It was a camp up in New York, and they were different philosophy. But what caught me was, if I have no regrets, I'm not going to ask God to show me what I didn't do that it didn't agree with him. Mm. So yes, have regrets, but go to the Father who can show you which way to turn now, right. what to do today. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a daily request and a prayer. As a parent, I learned that I can have regrets, I can have chosen differently, but I only would have gotten different results if I didn't ask God. I would never get God's best unless I ask him today, Lord, what do you want me to do? I can't see around the corner. You can. I can't see what's going to happen with my kids. I can't see the thing that's going to flare them up and make me, as I said earlier, go hood on them. I'm from Liberty City, and it happens like that. But I can catch myself. I can let you catch me and go, okay, stop. Go apologize. You just said something, like Chris said earlier, that wasn't from me. That was from you. And go back and apologize and let me tell you at this moment how to go from here. Give us this day our daily bread. And let him tell us and wait for him. If you ask him, wait for him to tell you. He's worth waiting on. Amen. Okay. That's great. That's great words. Chris, if I can add one thing. You can add one thing. As parents, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves in that mode of discipline, mm -hmm. our children. But God also gives us these opportunities to meet with our children in special moments to encourage them and to lift them up. Um, I know when Barbara used to go up to the summer camp in New York and she would drive with my son, you know, that was a mom-son time and they would spend time talking and he, half the time he was sleeping, but he was listening. Mm, he always says he was listening. And I think those are the, some of the moments that are precious and you can't get them back. That's right. Thank you, guys. Dan, let me jump back here to you. Um, you mentioned that you're in a blended family, uh, you and Amanda. Um, and you'll, you can share the number of kids and those details, but I, I, I wonder, you know, there's a lot of people in that situation, blended families coming together. Uh, how do you balance, or is it a balance, your role as a step-parent to the children uh, that, of Amanda's, but yet also providing love, guidance, support in all the appropriate ways? Is that a challenge? How do you kind of navigate that? Sure. So, We've always taken the approach to look at it as we're, we're, there, we're there to be their helpers, mm -hmm. right? And, and God has put, put us in their path to, to step in and mm -hmm. to, to try and help them know him and, and 
to help them to become um, the, their best versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, the the kind of the key point in that is the, kind of the uniqueness, mm -hmm. right? There's mm -hmm. the, the, nobody has the plan that they're gonna they're gonna develop a, a blended family, but you you get into that uh, that stage of that that stage. Um, you know, through various different circumstances. You know, so our our family is made up of uh, two children that come from a divorced home, mm -hmm. and and two children that come from a home where they lost a parent. And um, so all everybody, you know, the things that you walk through and that you go through mm -hmm. are are kind of the building blocks for you to to grow from, mm -hmm. and and that's uh, no different than with the children. So, um, you know, one of the uh, one of the children from the divorced home doesn't have a really good relationship with one of their other parents, mm. you know, so it's, it's just an opportunity to be able to help and, and try to show what that should look like. Mm. And, um, you know, so, so there's always, the, always that balance of, you know, am I just helping or am I, um, you know, kind of stepping too far? Um, you know, so you've got that. And then there's the balance of, of you're just, you're in a new relationship mm. and, or, um, and now there's children that are established with the, their prior parent, and what's the, uh, um, yeah. where, where are you spending your time, and what's that allocation look like, and is it, is it correct? So there's yeah. always a balance. That is, that is a lot, yep. And so important, you shared a statistic, I think it was 40% yes. of, of people in America, I guess, was yeah, the? Yeah, it was 40% uh, of um, families in America are of a blend. Blended, right. and, and this is a couple year old stat from, um, from Ron Deal. Okay. And, and uh, that represents about 113 million people. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go to who has extended family that is part of uh, a blended family, it, it jumps up to like 230 million people, mm -hmm. which is almost you know, two thirds right. of, the, of yeah. the country, right? So, um, and, and every one of those situations is different because mm -hmm. of the uh, the events that led you to get there. And it's not easy, but it is possible to have a, a gospel-saturated influence uh, in, in that way. That's great, Dan. Uh, Katie, you, um, I'm going to jump up here. Uh, you've got like 13 children under the age of four. Tell us, is that the right number? No, it wasn't. Um, and Katie, I said this earlier, I'll say it again. You know, Nikki and I have known you for, I think, a decade now or so. Um, watched your faith just grow exponentially in that time, become a wife, a mother, and with four young children. Um, as your faith has grown through those various seasons, what does it look like now to keep your walk with God a priority, but you also have very practical diapers and bottles and dishes and boo-boos and all the things that go into young parenting. So talk about some of the things that have changed and maybe what's remained constant through that. Um. You know, so yeah, whenever you've got all these little people and your energy and your resources and your time and your mental capacity is all spread very thin, um, it's, it's hard to prioritize um, certain things. But I think to me, the motivation to prioritize the things of the Lord has been um, increased exponentially and that that has to be a priority because now um, it's not just for me, I'm teaching and I'm discipling um, my children. And so I have to have the input so that I can have that output for them. And I think you find out really quickly whenever you have young children that, or when you have children as they grow, you quickly realize that they are going to model everything that you do mm -hmm. for better or for worse. And so when they're watching us and what we prioritize, 
Um, it just makes you a lot more mindful once you're in this stage. So I think for me, um, you know, it's really sharpened me and it's sanctified me in that I've prioritized um, just the input of God's truth. You don't always have the time to sit and study. Something that's been really practical for me is listening to podcasts. Um, and as I said earlier, not just like self-help with a Bible verse, but um, really Bible study that I can listen to while I'm doing the laundry or the dishes or we're in the car and my kids are overhearing it and they might not understand all of what you're listening to, but they're going to catch on to things. And, you know, as they're getting older, they're going to be asking you questions. And um, another thing I do is we pray together out loud in the car on the way to school or anytime. And it's, it's cool to see now with my five-year-old that he's starting to want to pray. Um, and so just as an encouragement to people with, with young children who you still want to prioritize that, you can, and, and you can do it in, in um, those ways, and they can watch you, and um, you're modeling something really cool for them. That's right, Katie. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. Marty, Marty I'm going to jump to you. Um, we, we have a lot of people, uh, perhaps even in the room watching online, that have a child with special needs. You're in kind of a unique situation. You have two children uh, with special needs. Um, and we tend to think about the, the challenges, which are many, I know. Uh, what are some of the blessings, some of the, the, the things you've seen God do, not in spite of, but because of that situation? Um, in 20 year th the year 2013, God brought a special couple into our lives. And this couple lived two houses down from us in our old neighborhood. And in the year 2013, I nominated my wife for the Supermom Award. This is an award that's given by the Darcy J. Foundation. Um, and part of that, me nominating her, I had to create a video. And the video showed an inside look at our lives and her life and the challenges that we face. And she actually did win the Supermom Award mm -hmm. back in 2013. As she should have. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So I actually shared this video with a special couple that lived two doors down from us, and they were moved to help us out as a family. So as a result, uh, they asked us, is there a special night during the week that they would like for us to bring dinner? And I said, I don't like Mondays. I hate Mondays. So how about you guys bring it on Monday? So for the past nine years, this couple has brought us dinner uh, just about every single Monday. They, I could probably count on one hand the number of Mondays that they missed. And actually, to uh, share their picture with someone else. Um, I refer to them as our Florida mom and dad. Some people look shocked when I share the picture of them because they don't look like yeah. us. They're uh, actually a white couple. Yeah. So I thank God for bringing that couple in our lives. Amen. And Marty, uh, most people wouldn't know, um, but you've taken that same kind of concept. And when we got to know each other a couple years back, Marty will actually make my family a meal with some regularity throughout the year. And, and Rather than saying, man, we're in a really tough, which it is, tough, uh, you know, uh, circumstances, challenges, all the things to be done, but to still serve and to not let that become an excuse for you. Um, and then, Marty, I want to share one other thing. I'm not surprised that you didn't share it um, because it really speaks well of you. But you said to me a few weeks ago, you said, I thank God for the privilege of being the dad to these boys, being able to serve them um, the way that Jesus would if he were in my place. And uh, what an example. What an example to us. That's awesome. Uh, Maria, let me go, uh, actually, let me jump up here to Ricky and Mindy first. Um, and just a reminder, tell us again the ages of your boys, um, and then I'll ask you a question. Ricky and Mindy, and we have uh, 21 and 17-year-old boys. Okay. 
So how do you both, how do you continue to steward your influence in the life of your boys? Uh, it's, it's obviously different. It's not all do this because I said it. Now they're making some of their own decisions, relationships. Uh, how do you steward your influence when we know the, the peer influence and the culture as well uh, also have significant influence in their lives? Yeah, so I'll talk, Mindy is really good talking about the friendship part, which she did in the first service greatly, so I'll leave her to that. Um, man, talking about parenting teenagers, I kind of thought Chris was mad at me a little bit when he asked me to do this on stage in front of y'all, so um, it's kind of a vulnerable position to be yeah. in, but uh, there, there's two key points, and, and the first is influence, and the second is framework, and you know, influencing people, I'm from the great state of Georgia, go dogs, and she is from Kansas City. And so we come from wildly different cultures. And when you see our boys dressed in different game day jerseys, we have both equally influenced them, whether we knew it or not. So please, as parents, do not underestimate the influence that you have on your children. Um, secondly, the, the framework that goes into parenting teenagers starts really early on in their lives. And I was really fortunate as a preacher's kid to have some, um, we kind of unintentionally got into parenthood um, before we were married. Um, I was 20 years old. I'm now, you know, 42 with an almost 22-year-old kid. Uh, so somebody that was way, old, way older and more seasoned than me as a parent said, you've got to pour into these kids early on or it's not going to work out. It's not the church's job to raise your children. It's your job. It's just the church's job to influence what you're doing at home. Right. Um, and I thought that was really important for them to say to me. Uh, so when our kids turned 13, we had a ceremony where we decided that we were going to let all of our friends, all of our family, all the people who are really influential in our lives pour into our kids for about 30, 45 minutes. They speak to them directly, and whether it's in a living room, a restaurant, wherever we had this thing. Um, you know, and we had to make some hard decisions to eliminate um, parents from that conversation. Not all of them, just one of them in particular that were bad influences in our kids' lives, and they knew that and we knew that. It was only the people who were influential in our kids' spiritual lives. They poured into our children, and the goal of all of that was the accountability portion. Uh, it held us accountable as parents, and it also holds my kids accountable as, man, everybody's looking at the decisions we're making. We really have an important framework around us that's going to keep us strong. Mm -hmm. And we established that around a biblical principle of, you know, we, we, we parent boys. And so um, in First Kings chapter 2, it uh, starts in like verses 2 and 3, and I'll paraphrase this. Uh, David's passing away and giving his charge to Solomon. And he's like, he's like, bro, you got to be a man. Uh, that's ESV, I think. Um, he's like, you got to be a man. You got, if you, if you're not a man, you're going to lose your people. You got to walk in the ways of God. And we really took to that as parenting boys uh, on the strength it takes to be a man and to be a leader. And, um, you know, of course we made them a little, you know, we're sports nerds. We, we made them a custom Maruchi bat with the uh, verses inscribed on it and they get to hang that on the wall wherever they go. And, um, but, the framework starts when they're little, and then when they turn 13, you're not, you're not parenting adults at 18. You're parenting up to that point when they turn 18. And so it's so important to have that done early on. So true. And also um, not being their friend, y'all. We're here to parent. We're here to set guidelines and um, drag them to church every Sunday, drag them to your small group. I know we do a great job with small groups here, and um, Ricky and I were fortunate enough to have a small group back home at our home church for almost 15 years where um, we were held accountable to one another. And so the funny part about um, social media we were, um, our oldest is 21, he probably killed me for saying this, but he got a Facebook page all by himself in sixth grade after we told him no. Mm -hmm. Well, we found out because all of his aunts and uncles were his friends and told uh -huh. us. <laughs> and so we were like, no, you're not old enough, you're not ready. There's just so much mm -hmm. behind it that we, 
I struggle with it as an adult, so you're not ready. But it was a good conversation to say, let's, let's block it for now when you're actually old enough to have one, because I think you even had to be 18 to, to hit a lie and say he was older than he was when he even opened the account. But we've had those struggles and those conversations when we go back and forth and tell them, you know, this is the reason why we do this and this is the reason why we don't. And that our, our small group friends would hold them accountable and be like, hey, we missed you at church. Why weren't you here? And I think that's so important to drag your kids to church. Make them come. Don't just, don't let your faith, don't let them choose their faith because when they go to college and they're not going to church, it's too late, y'all. Um, I know my son's in church right now, even though he's at PBA, because he usually sends us a screen, like he'll take a picture of the stage or a song they're singing or something he's doing. He's all excited and he's pumped. But it's just so important to pour into them at very young ages and pray with them every night. I mean, even Tyler and I pray together with Ricky and at dinner every night together and um, make sure that you just pour in those values and you don't, you don't ever stop it. You just keep it going. That's great, Mindy. And then I hear you saying kind of over time, the sequence is if you parent as parents, you nurture that influence toward it. The friendship comes uh, a little bit along the way, but really later as they become adults and have shared set of values and those kind of things, which is a great, a great model as well. So Maria, let me, let me close with you um, on this panel. Uh, you know, last three, four years really watching your faith grow through one of the hardest seasons, perhaps the hardest season of your life. And as a single parent, what has, or how has rather, your faith sustained you um, over these last few years? How has that made a difference? Well, as I said in the first service, I don't think it would have been possible with, without my church community, my church family. And I actually remembered... Um, one of our members now, but he wasn't a member of the church back then, he asked me one day, why do you think you are, God sees you better than me just because you go to church? And I told him, no, you're not getting. What we built when we go to church is not only about the Sunday. When we serve, when we open our houses to small groups, when we participate in Bible studies, when we serve our community on events, we build a relationship with our church family that is just, you can't explain. It's like family. And I think if it wasn't for my church family and all the praise and all the help, all the guidance that I received from all my, my friends here and Pastor Chris, I don't think I would be able to manage uh, the divorce phase and being in a different country than, you know, my kid's dad is. So uh, my church, I learned what intention, an intentional relationship means with the people I serve, with the people I spend time studying the Bible. And second, compassion. Compassion the way I view my kids, because it's not only, I was not the only one suffering. I was not the only one struggling. Um, my kids were hurting so much. And to have only mom to raise them 365, maybe they see their dad once a year if they're lucky. So to understand, have compassion, where they're coming from, what they're hurting, what they're suffering, and the stages they were missing having their dad and their dad's missing having them. Like my oldest one's in college and I remember driving him, moving him to college, setting up his dorm, getting furniture together and my heart was just broke because I was doing that myself. So compassion was one of the things that I learned most. And especially with my younger one that has a disability, he's my adopted child. For him to under, in his little mind is, why can't you forgive my dad? Why are you, aren't you Christian? Mm. 
and it's very hard for him to understand. And God has been giving me a lot of wisdom to navigate this uh, past two years. Amen. Amen. Panel, thank you for giving us your time. Uh, congregation, would you help me thank them for, for being here? I'm going to hold you guys. I'm going to hold you guys for just another, uh, just another moment. Um, we really wanted to accomplish a couple of things today, and one is uh, that we would just pour grace on you. Parenting is really, really hard. Uh, whether your kids are very young, uh, older, um, all the different seasons and stages, uh, it's not easy. And as I said before, none of us are doing it perfectly. And so as you walk out of here, I hope that you feel affirmed and you, you experience God's grace over you uh, that covers the gaps that we do have. Uh, none of us are doing it perfectly. We also really wanted to equip you. I, I knew that uh, this team of people could provide for you perspective that really goes way beyond what myself and Nikki have, and so I hope you were encouraged by that. Um, in that vein of equipping or, or resourcing you, uh, if you are a first-time guest with us today and you are a parent, we have a book that we want to put in your hands. The book is called Parenting, and the author is Paul David Tripp. It's a, it's a great resource that can give you practical tools for how to shepherd your child's heart toward Jesus. And so if you're a first-time attender with us and a parent, I would love to meet you at our new here tent um, just outside. It's a blue tent. I'll be under it, um, and we'd love to give that to you. We also have a gift for everyone uh, who's here, not just first-time guests and not just parents. Our church has a subscription with something called Right Now Media, which is a digital library of over 20,000 Bible study videos, and we want to give you access to that completely free. And so on your way out, there's some cards that have a QR code that you can scan. They can help you do that in the back. But what that's going to do is going to take you to a login page where you can simply create a free account. And then at the top of that page, once you log in, you're going to see the words First Baptist Orlando. If you would click on that, we've created a special page and channel with just parenting resources, seven of them, and a lot of them cover blended family, uh, parenting teenagers, young children, the various seasons that we are in. And so we just want to gift that to you. Make sure you get that on your way out. The last thing I'll say is this, that uh, I'm going to send to you, if you're on our email distribution list, um, and if you're not, Socrates can tell you how to do that, but if you're on that list and you receive things from the church, uh, we're going to push out a, a blog that I wrote uh, a few years back on parenting, and within probably the next 24 to 48 hours, you should see that. Um, and if you're not yet on that subscription list and want to be, uh, we'd love to have you there as well. Can y'all help me thank one more time our parent panel, and Socrates, would you come out? Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.